Wow, it's been a really long time since I have spoken after that jingle, but it is very nice to hear it and very nice to be able to talk after it. Uh, Hello everyone, it's Sam McClary here, editor of EG, and I will be standing in to host the EG Tech Talk radio show while our very wonderful Emily Wright is enjoying, I believe that's the right word, some maternity leave. Uh, She will be back though, so don't worry, you don't have to deal with me for too long. I know that we have joked uh, that I was the alpha on this podcast, but here in this realm, it has always been and will always be the most awesome Emily Wright who takes that alpha role. But Tech Talk is back and until Emily returns, we're going to be bringing you a tech data or digitization focused conversation through this podcast every month. Not quite as regular as you were getting it, but it will be back to to that regularity soon, I promise. But For this month's discussion, uh, I sit down with a peer here founder, Ross Bailey, and lead data scientist, Alex Nussbacher, and we talk about data-driven decisions and how we all need to embrace tech to help us build the new future we need, in particular, the new future that retail needs. And as with all conversations that you have with Ross, it's a pretty uplifting chat. It's really easy to believe that retail and our high streets are dead right now, but they're not they're just a bit different. COVID is not going to define this decade, says Ross. How we reset and how we rebuild will. Exciting times are ahead if we can just stop fighting the old and start building the new. It's a conversation that I really love, especially the sign-off, and I really hope you do too. So, you know what you need to do. Enjoy, and we'll be back next month for another episode of EG's Tech Talk Radio podcast. We're here to talk actually about, I guess, I want to say the future of retail, but it's not really the future of retail. It's the here and now of retail and the future of just how we op- how we operate. And, um, you know, I think technology, data and intelligence, perhaps that's that's the word is is the key in in thriving, I, I suppose. So just really, really keen to talk to, to you guys about um piece of research or uh, or thought leadership that you've that you've just put out um around um what landlords can do um to to help in terms of retail and just um just a little bit of an insight into how peer here is using data to be intelligent i think that look from from our side i think it's always worth remembering that data is a lag in many ways of what's happened and is a source to help predict the future and, and looking at what has happened before um, and, and, and we're fortunate up here that because we're a platform we can see often what's happening in real time and use that against the way that we're viewing the world and go look is are we on the right path are we looking at things in the right way I think often what people sometimes do is they sort of dig into the data to try and just find an answer and I think that you know you need a little bit of both um, but what we've thought about is how do we make sure that we understand the impact of last year and what happened to the real estate industry. And we really wanted to figure out as a company what the future holds for retail and how we could breathe life into our cities and and, and really help people coming out of this crisis. And, you know, in many ways, I think that yeah, appear here, you know, we, we, a lot of what we believe in, a lot of what we stand for, we, you were at our global gathering this time last year, 
Sam and you know we had amazing people like Thomas Heverwick and uh, yourself and different great speakers, sport leaders like Benedict Evans talking about the future. And you know one of those things was what is the to talk about the future we have to look at the past. And one of the big things from that was if you look at first principles of retail, why did it start? Why did it exist? You look at places like the Agora in ancient Greece and literally the word agora which was in many ways the very first markets the very first buildings where commerce happened where people went to trade you translate that word and it comes to gathering place and we spoke all about this idea of human connection and and really what retail if you broaden that terminology it's really space where you meet an audience it's on the ground floor it's the bit that connects us the streets that bind our cities together and suddenly weeks after that global gathering the world stopped, the world paused, and much of what we stood for, this idea of cities, this idea for streets, entrepreneurship, human connection, was completely taken away from us. Now, the positive notes are what we saw continue during that time, Uh, what we saw differently globally, when there was an easing of lockdown, how we saw things return. And more than anything, I think it's what we saw leading up to COVID. So the big question for us was COVID something that fundamentally changed views during this crisis or was it something that accelerated uh you know neighborhood retail massively thrived during this crisis we saw that trend for about 18 months prior to 2020 um you know the view of the independent people caring about where their things are from we've seen the rise of the butcher and all that stuff people could have gone to any supermarket and got their meat but we've seen butcher shops and fishmongers and all those things thriving during this time because we were seeing that consumers are caring more and more than ever before about where things are from and the story behind them. Um, you're seeing the streets that actually very quickly bounced back have a higher propensity of independent stores. Um, and there's so many interesting things that we can look exactly from 2018 and 2019 and, and see how those things played out going forward. So really, that's what we wanted to understand. What did COVID change? How has it accelerated things? We conducted the largest survey to get data from our community. And then we sort of went into that and thought, well, what does that mean for landlords? And and how can we make sure that landlords continue to create amazing locations, that these streets survive and and ultimately their businesses do? And then Alex sort of dug into that with us and our data team to come out with the findings of the report. So, Alex, talk talk us through that that process, the, the digging and the... I guess the the solution that came out the other end or the findings that came out the other end. Sure. So I think for us, kind of as Ross was saying, you know, it starts with we're in a crisis. What's that going to do? So you start looking at the data you have from the past and the data you're getting and say, is this accelerating where we were going or is this going to force us to change direction? Is this going to be something new and something different? And so we really had kind of two key tools that we used as we were diving into this. One is that survey that Ross mentioned, and this was, you know, hundreds of brands that we're talking to that we're trying to understand. What do you need both now and to come back? And so that was digging in a lot into their kind of responses about what they were looking for in a lease, what they were concerned about with pricing, what they were afraid of and what they had confidence in. Um, And then the other side of it and the the really unique side of it is we have this magnificent platform that lets us see what's happening as Ross said in real time, lets us see how you know, people were looking for space, even during the pandemic, what price that was at, what volume it was at, where it was at. And we were able to kind of put all this together and really kind of see some really clear and really striking trends. And so 
one of the sort of the standout lines in that report that you put together that um, uh, really jumped out at me was that the the old rules for retail no longer apply. There are there are new rules now, and it and it sounds like from the from the data that you've looked at, from that real time data in, in particular, you can you can see what those new rules are. Um, Talk me, talk me through them. What does, what does the future look like, and how do, how do we need to operate if we are to um, make sure that they, you know, we can still have these gathering places and we can still bring life to high streets communities? I'm not Go ahead, sure Ross. I think we found from the data, and, and Alex will touch into that more. I think is what we've sort of been speaking about for the last few years. You know, it's a drive towards flexibility. It's the ability to, you know, how do you reduce the frictions that more people can participate? It's that, you know, the, if you're a landlord and you open up your space and more people can rent that space and more people can access it, we see that the flexibility actually drives value uh, and drives huge value compared to the traditional option. And, and we believe that that will continue to be the case. Um, so I think actually for us, there were there were there were fewer surprises. I think it more emboldened us in our mission to go it's really, really key that we we double down and we focus on that. And we've seen the landlords that have sort of got into a very good shape coming out of this are the ones that were more ahead of the curve in terms of how real estate is going to have to move from being, you know, much more of a, a typical asset class to being much more operational and much more customer focused. Um, and, you know, I think that the opportunity for people like appear here is for us not to is for us to be a tool for those landlords, for us to help them navigate that and, and use technology in order to make it possible for more people. And on top of that, to make their organizations way more efficient and more forward thinking. So I think on, on that flexibility point, one of the things that really comes out from brands is when you ask them what's most important for them to take a shop, it's that ability to either have a short term or to be able to extend it, to have that flexibility. Because you know, there, there's so much uncertainty coming out of all of this that what they really want is a landlord who's a partner in navigating that, who can help them kind of find success rather than just a transaction and you know, a longer term than they could reasonably know what's going to happen over. I think that's a trend that we've seen for a long time on the platform, right? Even, even disregarding COVID, leases had been getting shorter, but the rate of people wanting to extend them had been increasing over time. So it's not that people don't want to commit or don't want to keep doing something that's working. It's that you need that kind of, I guess to me, it's a very um, technology focused or agile way of thinking of you need to be able to adapt. And everyone kind of coming out of this is going to need to be able to adapt. And so I get the, the question that that um, makes pop into my head is we all know people need to adapt, but it's often and particularly in this industry, quite difficult for people to adapt. Uh, you know, I've heard, I've heard over um, recent months and, and years even people talking about, you know, the need for this industry to be agile and, so, you know, sort of referring it back to the um, to the tech um to the technology industry, but it took the technology um, sector quite a long time to learn how to be agile. And we're only we're real estate is only at the you know sort of beginning of that journey. So how how do we help? I suppose in that um, that move to being more agile, that move to you know not just wanting to provide flexible leasing, um, you know adjustable pricing, um, but to actually be able to to do it. 
Well, I think that when you look at, you know, other industries, when you look at technology, for example, there is that throughout history, technology is so much about innovation, right? It's about creating something from nothing. And in order to create something from nothing, there are experiments and there are things that work and things that don't work. And I think, therefore, there's a confidence in failure that has to happen in order for there to be success. Whereas I think in real estate, you know, in many ways, it's it's the antithesis of that, right? You've got bricks and mortar. You've got actually, if you make a mistake, you could be losing, you know, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions, if not billions of investors or pension funds capital. So it's it's about not being uh, the same way uh, by design. So I think that it's hard to sort of say, well, you know, how do both industries do that? I think what is interesting is when you look at other industries that have come out uh, of these stages of disruption and change, it's that they've embraced technology. It's not that they've necessarily tried to do it themselves. It's that they've realized that they need to collaborate, realize that the future is different. And, you know, we spoke at our global gathering this week about you know, a quote for us as a business. You know, we've gone through big changes this year. We're optimistic about the future and it's now about channeling that energy. But our message to the team was that, you know, the secret of change, and it was a quote we read, but it said like the secret of change is not on finding the old, but on building the new. And I think that actually the real estate industry, it's less to me about just being agile, but more about that focus and how much of it is on building the new and how much is it on finding the old. And I think whenever we find ourselves saying, well, this is the way it's done, and you find yourself that being the excuse or that being the reason for not making a decision, I think we should instantly be saying, well, why? And, you know, I touched upon how at the beginning of our global gathering last year in 2020, we went back to first principles. Why did retail begin? And you went back from, you know, Harvey Gordon Selfridge to John Wanamaker, this amazing entrepreneur in the US that basically invented not only the department store, but the price tag and the receipt and all of these things that made the store what it was today. And we went back to ancient Greece. And as you go further and further back, you realize that retail was about gathering. And, and then commerce and all these things came off of it. And I think if you go to first principles, it gives you the ability to take much bigger risks and to realize what you're actually doing. And to your point, when you talk about you know, in real estate, people talk about curation or they talk about being more agile or they talk about data. And then when you say, but why do you need that right now? Or what does that mean? Often people can't actually explain the definition. Um, and I think that's what we need to work on as an industry, embracing technology and on building the new. So does that make, so we did a um, a piece of um, work at the beginning of the year, which one of, one of my favorite pieces um, so far this year, which was we asked all of our um, rising stars, of which you were one, of course, um, Ross and future leaders about, well, what, what, who are gonna be the most important people in real estate in the future? And there were two groups that were overwhelmingly um, listed. One was environmental um, experts. The other was data scientists, that if you want to make it in this industry, you, you've got to understand the data and the technology, and we've got to look after the planet, of course. So I think there's definitely there's definitely that coming, isn't there? But it's the the education up the ranks, I suppose. It's the reverse the reverse mentoring that's so so needed in the sector. Yeah, I think a hundred percent. I think the third thing that's maybe also needed there is is real creativity. 
Mm. I think that, you know, when you look at our teams, if you just look at the data science on its own, it's a navigating force and it's power, but you need that true creativity to, to create value from that, in my view, and to use it. And, and I think that, you know, that's, again, I think something that's that, that idea of design uh, and, and really when you look at the most amazing technology teams and the data team and the design team are, are, in, are intrinsic to the value created. Think about Apple, think about Tesla. You know, design plays such a key point in how people use and how people connect and how you drive that behavior. And, and I think that that's something in real estate that in many ways at the beginning, design was such an integral piece. How do you make people feel? What's the journey? And I think that now often it's about, you know, how do you build something as quickly and as cheaply as possible? Mm. And I think it's a, a merge of those two things, you know, great for the environment, good design, good data, and then design that is really caring about how people are going to connect with it and that it lasts. Fantastic. I want to go, I want to go back to some of those, those other new rules. And the, the two that are really interesting to me is this idea around adjustable pricing. And just because I I think that's going to be something that the industry industry will find it really hard to get its head around. I know we've seen it in all sorts of other industries and also the need for for speed, you know, the, the quick turnaround. And and I guess both of those come things come with, with flexibility as the overarching um, uh, element that we need. But uh, Alex, I wonder if you could talk to us a little more about about adjustable pricing and, and speed. Okay, so um, adjustable pricing at a, at a first order is kind of, why would you lock yourself into a situation that might not be the best one, particularly under uncertainty? Why would you commit to a 10 year lease in a structure right now when you really don't know what the world's gonna look like in five years or in 10 years? And so if you really have a good platform set up that has good data flowing in, that you can see this full picture of what the world looks like, you're able to you know, make the adjustment at every moment and kind of be in the best possible place. So that means one, you're not gonna get a tenant you know, or brand stuck on a lease that, that doesn't make sense anymore. And ultimately that's not great for anyone. And you're also not going to have you know, agreed terms and then find out four years later, they're getting a fantastic deal that no longer reflects what this neighborhood has become. If you're able to get the data in the right place, you can kind of stay on top of all of that and kind of make sure really that it's in the best place for everyone. Cause you're not trying to make it's so no one can be successful, but you're also not trying to make it so that, you know, as a neighborhood grows, you know, you're not seeing that value as well. Um, on speed, I think it actually kind of goes back to the agile point that we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, and agile is a word that, you know, even within technology, people would define a hundred different ways. Um, but I think one of the things that's most important to me, at least, is, you know, kind of shrinking that time horizon down so that you can iterate faster. And you know, a lot of times, at least in technology, you know, being the best isn't necessarily about being right the first time. It's about setting everything up so that you can adjust and you can learn and you can shrink all these time horizons and move quickly enough where you're taking advantage of everything, but you're also not, again, kind of to the pricing point, stuck on something that is no longer working. And so if you really can use technology to embrace those kinds of ideas, you're able to not just move faster, but find the right way to move, find the right price and kind of always be adjusting and always be improving. That's a, it's a really great um, point that, isn't it? That, you know, being right doesn't, um, being the best doesn't mean always being right first time. It's, it is about about learning. And and I loved in, in your report, the sort of the, the takeaways that you left for people about, you know, what, what you can do 
now to sort of make a make a change and um you know one of those was was listen which you've just sort of articulated alex and and be be ready to change and change it change again um the others were um go short term and embrace embrace tech but i wonder if you could um both of you ross and alex talk a bit more about what you want to see people do next and and you know the the small steps that every every landlord could could take just so that we can um you know move forward and and um build the new not fight the old you know i think the the first thing is to not be afraid of technology and really realize that what whatever you're trying to do the technology is really there as a tool as ross kind of said to hopefully execute some bigger vision you know even as a data scientist i don't want the data science to be the only piece of it i want it to fit in something else but once you get that fluency with technology you can really use it not only to go faster but to have a deeper relationship with your tenants and you know help them be more successful i think you know, as a technologist at heart that's really what i would love to see fantastic thanks alex ross i i agree with what alex <laughs> just said and i think that in my view as well you you look at you know i think things like the arguments before were like covenant, right? And the importance of covenant, which makes so much sense, but you know, covenant is ultimately about having that security of income and great data and, and things like that can also give you uh, a close ability to get to a predictability of income for the future. And I think that, you know, a lot of people just didn't want to change. So they, well, let's stick with the covenant of an Arcadia brand or a Debenhams or a House of Fraser. And they were making those decisions, you know, 18 months ago. And yet you could look at the trends of where that sort of traditional retail potentially was heading. So I think that it's about, you know, not just trusting the rules of the game because they're the rules of the game, but embracing those different opinions and those different ideas and, 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 and trialing it and playing with it. And I think that we're now you know, if there's one good thing that's come out of COVID, I think it really has accelerated everything. And we did an ad campaign at the beginning of last year that was called Define the Decade. And, it, you know, I, I, I don't think that COVID is going to define this decade. I think that COVID in the end has accelerated a lot of trends that we thought might happen through the decade. And, and they've happened overnight. And that is going to, of course, with COVID, there's been huge loss and there's been huge frustration and, and we're all bored as anything being in our homes. I mean, I hate it. But on the flip side, I think that it's allowed this huge reset. And I look at some streets that are emptying out. And in one sense, there's a huge loss of livelihoods and, and people that have ran those. But often the ones that we've seen disappear are the very big retailers that in many ways are on their way out anyway. And you look at these spaces and you go, well, what could they be? And I think there could be a real renaissance coming out of this, of new ideas, of freshness. You look at a lot of big real estate companies and we've seen a changing of the guard and you speak to people at the top of some of these industries and they are so excited themselves on their new next step and how they're going to see this through. So I think that it sort of reset many of us from lots of different industries to really focus on that building of the new. And, you know, you look at things like when dinosaurs had their extinction event. And it wasn't, you know, one single thing that created that extinction event. It was the cumulative compounded effect of all in quick succession. And not any individual bit would have got the, the dinosaurs extinct, so to speak. And I think that retail is going through, uh, again, a 
cumulative compounded effect in quick succession of all of these different things, whether it's e-commerce, whether it's, um, you know, things around location, whether it's lease lengths, whether it's vacancies, whether it's, you know, the, the stuff to do with what, what's happened with COVID and cities shutting down, whether it's from a capital perspective, all of these things have hit the industry in one go. And the positive of that, as difficult as it will be, is that it puts us all on a page to reset and rebuild. And I think if people have the energy to focus on tomorrow rather than romanticize the past, I, I think that it could be the most exciting time ever for this industry um, and, and such an opportunity to bring new voices and new ideas in. Well, I think that it's you know one of the most exciting times. And I also think that you know we've anyone in real estate i think we've also had a reminder of what it truly means so i think if you're in retail you know so many people you'd meet that were making decisions of what retailers should go into a street you know the one thing they were thinking about and the only thing they're often thinking about was you know what was the price that they were going to get that was going to um you know help them achieve the asset values they needed and i think what we started to see is that all of that stuff can change and can move. And actually it's about still making the right decisions of what does the street need? What will make this place relevant? And value will come in turn. And you know, the view I think in many ways of all of this stuff is you've got to produce value to get it back and really question who the customer is. And the customer isn't just the tenant, the customer is the audience. And, and I think the audience is the most important thing with retail. And I also think that the audience have realized the importance of these shops, right? Like more than ever, people are saying, oh my God, I just can't wait to sit in a beautiful terrace of a restaurant, or I can't wait to have coffee, or I can't wait to go into that local shop again. And you know what? I can't wait for that to happen. And it's going to be the most amazing experience because I think we've realized that these mundane things that we were, what we thought were mundane are really quite magical when they've been taken away. And they're really quite important to the way we want to live our lives. And I think that you know, streets and cities and buildings and all of these things are just so integral to our happiness. And I think that this year, as well as it being a reset, is a, a sort of a renewal and a, a re-highlight to all of us. It's sort of a, it's made it clear how important it is what everyone does. Um, and it's not just about buildings that are holding capital. It's about making cities and you listen to amazing architects or builders from the day and, and look at, you know, cities that were built and the passion, I think, has maybe sometimes been lacking a little bit of just how important these individuals are and how important this industry is. And, and that's sort of one of the things that I'm excited about. So is the what's going to define this decade is going to be bringing back the magic? Well, I think we've got two things, right, like the rise of technology creates two extremes on one side technology has this amazing ability to democratize to give everyone the opportunity to participate and to level the playing field and on the other side there's a dark side of technology where we're seeing fewer companies gain tremendous power and they are defining what we you know, everything from what we see what we hear what we buy and in many ways as we've seen politics over the last few years what we believe in and I think that as you look at streets and you look at cities, you realize that they are as much about, again, that, that same view. And how can you allow more people to participate? How can you create uh, more connectivity and all of these things? And I think that the more that we adapt to technology, the more that actually the consumer wants and desires 
that sort of hyper localness and serendipity and all of these things that you can't get online. So I actually think that there's a thing that we've all got to decide what we want to fight for going forward. Do we want to fight for the idea that more people can bring their ideas to life, can curate our streets, can put their ideas out there? Um, or, or do we want things to be going to fewer and fewer individuals? And, and I, I just want to make sure that this decade is about technology democratizing versus technology dictating, so to speak, if that makes sense. That does make sense. And what a wonderful line to, to end on. Technology democratising, not dictating. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the EG Property Podcast. We hope you found the content insightful and helpful. If you'd like more of the same and to keep up with all the latest news, views, analysis and research that the EG Group has to provide, be sure to sign up to all of our property podcasts and subscribe to Radius Data Exchange for unlimited access to all of our content and comprehensive commercial real estate data.